How's everybody doing? It is an honor and a privilege to be before you. I want to welcome everybody that's listening, whether it's at Lone Tree, Highlands Ranch, Castle Rock, or Lakewood, or maybe you're uh, watching via the live stream. We're just glad that you're here. Um, I believe that God has a word for you that um, is going to impact and hopefully change your lives forever. But before I jump into that word, I need to do a quick little announcement. Uh, Pastor John mentioned that uh, Dave Hill, uh, one of uh, one of our faithful individuals that come to, actually goes to our Lakewood campus right now, but he uh, has just a great financial mind. And this Thursday, he's actually going to start a four-week class. It's going to be every Thursday, and it's, it's called Talking Dough with Dave. And as we go into this series on Psalm 23, um, one of the things that we are talking about is finances, and, and um, it, is a, it is a biblical thing. Jesus talked a lot about money and finances, and how many of you know that uh, when you have health in your finances, everything seems to just go a little bit better in your life, yeah? And so he teaches just what the Bible says about finances. He also gives some, uh, gives some practical uses in order to uh, use the biblical uh, ways to use finances and how you can do that practically in day-to-day living. And so um, if you struggle or if you even just have any thoughts or questions about uh, what does God think about our finances and how we should operate and run those finances, you'd want to come to that class. And so there's a sign up out in the, uh, in the foyer. Um, as Pastor John mentioned last week, he is also an author. He has written a book called The Pipeline, which talks about finances. And so I encourage you to go out in the foyer, uh, pick up a, a book and go to the class. But if you can't go to the class, at least pick up the book because it would help you out in that area of your life, all right? So um, uh, today, I get to uh, speak the second message in our Psalm 23 uh, message. And here's what I would like to do. Uh, if they put it on the screen here, we're going to all read this together if, if you would join me in doing so. So you ready? One, two, three. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word that you've given to us. We thank you for uh, the fact that um, every word that you've given to us is to provide life and is to give us uh, not just life, but that abundant life. And so, Lord, I pray that right now, as I communicate your heart for this message, I pray that your heart would be, uh, would be given to every person that is listening right now. And so, Lord, I pray that you would take anything that would be of my own agenda, anything that would be of my flesh, and that you would discard it, that I wouldn't even be able to think about those things. And Lord, that I would only present what you have prepared in my heart to present and that it would communicate well and that it would go out and it would fall into the hearts and into the minds of people that are ready to receive. And so, Lord, I pray right now just for fertile soil, for fertile ground. And God, I pray that you would prepare our hearts to receive your sweet, sweet word. Lord, change our lives today as we hear this message. And Lord, we give you this time. Still our minds to receive from you. Still our hearts to receive from you. Help us to quiet everything else that's in this world, everything that we have to face on a day-to-day basis. Help us to quiet those things in order to hear your voice and to hear your word. And so, Lord, we thank you for that, and we ask you for that. We give you all glory, honor, and praise. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, as the teaching team was putting together uh, this message on Psalms 23, um, I got super excited because... um, uh, 
there's, there's something that God's been working in my life. And even as I prepared this message this week, he continues to work that out. But as uh, I got assigned to do Psalms uh, verse 2 and, and the beginning of, of 3, um, we actually felt like the topic that needed to be discussed as we talk about the fact that he makes us lie down in green pastures beside still waters and he restores our soul, we, we felt like the word uh, that, that really kind of jumped out was margin. We need to talk about margin. We need to teach on margin. And so uh, somebody this week actually asked me, uh, what are you talking about this week? And I said, margin. And they said, you're talking about butter? (laughs) (laughs) And I go, no, 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 on margin. And it's something that we don't talk about very often. It's something that um, is not taught very often. And as a matter of fact, in our society, margin is something that uh, a lot of people don't have. And so let me first explain to you what is margin. Margin is this. It's an amount of something included so as to be sure of success or safety. In the example, this is kind of the negative version of it. There was no margin for error. In other words, you had to get it perfect because... We didn't have any time or we didn't have any money or we didn't have any resource or whatever. We had to get it right right now. Margin is the area around a notebook piece of paper that you write in the center of so that you can write notes on the side. Or if you're a teacher, you put the grade or comments in the margin. It's the area of space. Margin would be, uh, another definition is this, is to create leeway, latitude, room, room to maneuver, space, allowance, extra, or surplus. Margin is something, um, I, interestingly enough, this week, Pastor John, uh, Pastor Todd, our business administrator, and myself, we actually got to go to South Carolina and uh, just kind of um, get some instruction and some wisdom in regards to just campus ministry and what it looks like from somebody that's been doing it for uh, longer than we have. And one of the very first things that the pastor told to Pastor John was this, abundant life comes from margin. We didn't ask for it. We weren't telling him that we were teaching on margin. That's just his first words of wisdom that he gave to us, is that the abundant life comes from margin, from creating an extra space, creating room to maneuver. And so what are the areas in our life that we need to create margin in? Well, I've listed some of them in your notes. We we can create margin in our spiritual life. We can create margin in our time. We can create margin financially, relationally, and health. Let me give you an example. Time-wise, there's only three ways that you can, uh, that, that you can handle time. Uh, so for instance, when you come to church, <laughs> you can either be early. I contemplated whether having people raise hands. I decided not to do this. Uh, but you can either come early, you can be right on time, or you can be late. And how many of you know that if you plan to be right on time, a majority of times, you end up being late, right? Because you have no margin there. Well, the same thing can be held true in regards to spiritual issues. The same thing can be held uh, in regards to financial issues. You can either spend um, below what you make, you can spend exactly what you make, or you can spend more than you make. And we live in a society because of credit card debt and different things like that. And the fact that you can get things right now on credit, many, many people live above what they make. And so there is no margin for them to use in their life. Relational. 
Are you a person that goes out of their way to build and foster relationships? Or do you just interact with people just enough to, to make things right? Or do you just not interact with people unless you ultimately have to do it? One of those creates margin. The other two put you on a, a very interesting scale in regards to how you live your life. And we can go to all those areas. And, and uh, to be honest with you, I, I, uh, I wanted to kind of go into uh, teaching on margin, but I didn't feel like the Lord uh, would let me go into all of these different areas or, or go into the biblical verses. You know, it's so important to God that um, much of the Bible instructs about margin. And I felt like the Lord just wanted me to remind you, the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments hit four of those things on margin. So for instance, the first three, thou shalt have no other Lord before you, you shall not create an idol. You shall not use the Lord's name of vain. That's spiritual margin. The fourth one, how about this one? Thou shalt obey the Sabbath. Do you know what the Sabbath is? Rest. It's a whole day of rest. How you doing? <laughs> it's one of the Ten Commandments. Why did God give it? Because God thought it was so important in our time that he actually required it. Do you know that you would get stoned if you didn't keep the Sabbath? <laughs> All right, we'll keep moving on. <coughs> uh, how about relational margin? It says, uh, honor your mother and father. It says, do not murder. It says, do not commit adultery. How about financially? It says, don't steal. It says, don't covet. The Ten Commandments right there. Man, talk about building and establishing margin and the correct use of those things in our lives. It's so important and so dear to God's heart. And as I said, I'd like to go into all the different Bible verses, but I really felt like the Lord wanted me to hang out here um, in Psalms 23. And so let's talk about this. Uh, before I do, uh, I want you to realize I am not speaking from a position uh, where I've got this down. Um, as a matter of fact, as I began to prepare for this message, um, I, I prepared about, started preparing about 10 days ago, and in the middle of that, I began to look at my calendar for the next week. <laughs> Let me tell you what my calendar revealed to me. It started last weekend with uh, Saturday service. But before service, I actually had a premarital counseling. So I had a premarital counseling that stacked right up to the service. Then I did the service at Lone Tree. Then I went over to Lakewood. I left Lakewood, came home, only to go to bed to get right back up to go back to Lakewood. Calendar said that, okay, I can't stay at Lakewood the entire time because I actually have a wedding rehearsal to go to at 1130. So I left Lakewood early, go to the wedding rehearsal. Okay, um, I had to, had to watch the Bronco game. <laughs> Okay, that, that was, you know, in red letters on my calendar. Um, okay, so then I looked, uh, I had to do some things uh, Monday morning at my house, but then I had a wedding, and I had to leave, according to my calendar, I had to leave the wedding early to go to Breckenridge, where I had a youth pastor, uh, all the, the four youth pastors at all of our campuses got together, and I'm championing that youth ministry right now, and so I went for a little retreat with them, in which we were supposed to go Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, but I was going to have to go late because I had this wedding, so I went up, my wife and I went up late, we hung out all day Tuesday, doing planning and developing and, and vision casting, and just had an incredible meeting with them, was supposed to stay till Wednesday, but uh, something came up where I actually had to leave Tuesday night because I had a flight at 6 o'clock in the morning 
to go to Charleston so that Pastor John, Pastor Todd, and I could uh, glean some information about campus ministry. So I, I got a grand total of three hours of sleep going from Tuesday night to Wednesday. Got up, got to the airport by 4.30 for our six o'clock flight. Flew to Charleston, hung out in Charleston, did all of uh, the information. Man, just, I mean, just so, how many of you know just getting information sometimes can just wear you down, wear you down and just wear you out? Okay, so all is good, but we... I'm not sure how this worked out, but we worked our flight out of Charleston at six o'clock in the morning again. So we're back up at four o'clock in the morning, get to the airport at uh, 4.30, get on a plane. We're flying from Charleston. Um, We're halfway in the air and the pilot gets on and goes, "Um, sorry to tell you this, but there's been a fire in Chicago and we were supposed to go to Chicago to Denver. Um, So we're going to reroute you to Indianapolis. So turns our plan, we end up in Indianapolis. Thank God we had margin in our layover. Well, think about that. We complain about layovers. And how many times, because you may have a margin in that, it actually helps you out? Well, in this particular case, long story short, we actually get a flight from Indianapolis to Chicago. We are one of maybe six or 10 flights that they allow out between 11 and 11.30, and I get home. But it doesn't stop there, because um, on my calendar, I actually have a wedding on Friday night at 6.30 that I need to do. And then, of course, the calendar says that Saturday I have another premarital at 2 o'clock. I have to preach at 4 o'clock. I have a wedding at 6.30 on Saturday night. And then on Sunday, I have to preach three more messages. (laughs) And God said, and you're teaching on margin. (laughs) I want you to know, I am not preaching from a place of perfection, (laughs) as you can see. But here's what I felt like the Lord told me about that. When we have weeks like that, if you create margin in your life, you can manage and you can maintain and you can go through a week like that. But when you're weak, every single week of your life is like that, you will run out. You will end up, well, let's talk about it. It says in Psalms 23, it says this, the first part, says, he makes me, it's going to come up here, he makes me lie down. Now, if you're a parent in here, you know exactly what this looks like. <laughs> I'm serious. I, now, now this, is, this is important because I think a lot of people think, uh, he makes me, oh man, God is just a mean God. And I remember thinking as a kid, my parents are mean, but how many of you know that my parents <coughs> would make me take a nap when I was a toddler, because it benefited me. Because when we lie down, when he makes us lie down, it actually creates margin in our life. I looked it up in, in, uh, in the scripture, just kind of looked up the, the Hebrew of that just to make sure you know, what it was to be made to lie down. And it says this, it's to, ma- to be made to crouch down, fall down, lay or lie down. It is to make rest. It is to sit. Now, interestingly enough, Pastor John talked a little bit about um, last week about sheep, because this psalm starts with, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he talked about sheep, and I felt like I was supposed to look into that. How about this? This is very interesting. Sheep's food will not fully digest unless they lie down. For the health of the sheep, the shepherd actually has to make the sheep lie down so that their food can digest. Again, if you're a parent, you totally and fully understand this concept. Because what happens if you don't make your toddler lie down and take a nap? What happens? 
tantrum, meltdown. I, I am hearing all kinds of things. It's not good. And well, the interesting thing is it's not necessarily at nap time that that happens. It's at dinner time, <laughs> isn't it? As a matter of fact, I want you to watch this video. Check this out. What's the problem? <laughs> You can't lift that up? No! Oh, come back and try again. You're almost to the sink. I can't do it. Oh. I can't do it. That looks like it's very heavy. I think you can do it, though, Kirsten. I think you can lift it up to the sink, and you can help clear the table. I think you can do it. Your big hammy couldn't do it, but you could do it. Oh. Oh. You want to try again? Maybe you take your thumb out of your mouth and move your lovey and you can do it all. Okay, let's go. Put it in the sink. Oh. You did it. It was so heavy. <laughs> All right. It's funny. We watched that. I watched about an hour of temper tantrums online, and I found this one. And I, God just spoke to me. Because here's the bottom line. When you don't create margin in your life, when you don't allow God to let you or make you lie down, here's what happens. You have a meltdown. Think about the world we live in. We have road rage. I'm watching people at the airport going absolutely ballistic as they find out that their flights are being canceled and changes are happening. When your finances, if you don't have margin in finances, man, if any little flat tire or anything comes, man, it, it just... It creates this dilemma in your life, and we actually, adults, have meltdowns. Amen. And as I'm watching this, not only is she having a temper tantrum about this, but here's what the Lord speaks to me. That bowl that's not very heavy became a huge weight to her. And when you don't create margin in your life, here's what happened. That circumstance Sir, that thing in your life, ma'am, becomes incredibly heavy, and you don't feel like you can get through it. And if you create margin, it'll be amazing how well you can just go right through something. But when you don't have margin in your life, things get incredibly heavy. It's important to create margin in your life, church. You've got to be on purpose. I put it in your notes a little bit later, but I feel like the Lord wants me to tell you right now, if you aren't on purpose, if you don't create margin, it is not going to spontaneously happen in your life. It's not. The world that we live in, if you could get a picture of it, is like being on a hamster wheel, and we just keep going and going and going and going. Have you ever seen a hamster on a hamster wheel? I mean, just going, 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 going. Um, the thing that the hamster does to slow that thing down is they have to actually stop, and then they can get off. But we don't know well enough to actually stop. The world just keeps spinning out of control, out of control. And God wants us to understand that he wants us to lie down. Amen. The second part that it says is that he makes us lie down in green pastures. 
And I don't want to spend too much time here uh, today, but here's basically, in the message it says, in lush meadows. Now, here's the interesting thing about a sheep. If a sheep gets put into a lush meadow, it's like, dude, (laughs) it's time to eat. And the sheep will just eat and eat and eat and eat. It's called consumerism. You like how I just dug that in right there? Think about it. We live in a world, we live in a society, we live in a place right now where it's lush. Now, I know some of you may be struggling, but here's the truth. Even in your struggle, you have three meals a day probably. You have a car to get you to to places. You have a, a, a roof over your head. You know what? We live in very prosperous areas, and in the middle of that, it makes us have this desire to consume, consume, consume. But what God wants us to do is lie down in those green pastures. Here's four things about sheep in regards to them lying down. They will not lie down if there is fear in their life. (laughs) They will not lie down if there's conflict between them and another sheep. (laughs) It's funny how we can glean from sheep in our own lives. Sheep will not lie down if any type of pest or bug is bothering them. The shepherd actually has to go and pick them off and get rid of them before they'll lie down. And sheep will not lie down if they're hungry. Church, we live in a world where people will not lie down, whether if it's because there's some fear and anxiety and worry and doubt, or if it's because they're in conflict with a parent or a a coworker or a neighbor, or maybe it's a pest. You know what? We have an enemy that hates us and would love to tell us all kinds of lies and get us to be just thinking and consumed with different things that are going on. And ultimately, church, um, you know, the hunger for sheep is obviously the food aspect, but I want to tell you that um, if, if you don't get your spiritual hunger fed, you know what? You won't lie down. You won't lie down. There's something inside of every single one of us that is wired to receive from God, to get the nourishment to God, to get that abundant life from Jesus Christ. And it comes um, when we actually take the time to do part three, and that is this. We'll let him lead us beside still waters. Now, another interesting uh, little thing about sheep. Man, I never researched sheep so much in my life, but it was just so good. (coughs) Sheep are horrible swimmers. They've got wool that soaks the water in almost immediately, and they sink to the bottom like a rock. So therefore, they are very afraid of water especially any water that's moving. You cannot get a sheep to rushing stream. You can't get a sheep to uh, a side of uh, water where the waves are lapping up and and coming up real strong. Uh, A sheep needs to be led literally to a place of quiet waters, or in some translations, still waters. They, like you and I, need water to live. Jesus tells a woman at the well that 
I have water that you know nothing about. Basically says, I am that water. And when the psalm says that he makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me by, beside still waters, what I believe that God is referring to is he's saying, I'm trying to lead you to Jesus. And when you come beside Jesus, that will be that still water. And you will receive the nourishment that you need. You will receive the food that you need. You will receive the drink that you need. And so um, I really felt like the Lord wanted me to talk about quiet times. And when I say quiet times, I mean quiet times. I'm not talking about worship. I'm not even talking about prayer. I'm talking about times of silence. And as I was studying this, um, I was reminded, I believe, by the Holy Spirit about a book I'm reading. It's, it's by Ed Catmull, who is the co-founder of Pixar. And he wrote a book called Creativity, Inc. And it just talks about the different ways of leadership and the different ideas and how he implemented them, how he got them, how he received those things. And one of the things that he said in the book is this, that his wife gave him a gift one year, a gift that he almost didn't use. And the gift was a retreat. Now, he lived in California. The gift was a gift of a retreat here in Colorado. And it was a seven-day retreat in which two days were used for preparation, but the last five days of the retreat had to be done in silence. When's the last time you took two minutes of silence. Church, we live in a world where if we aren't bombarded with activity with uh, friends and neighbors and coworkers and different things, we are bombarded by our TV and movies and internet. Um, and if we don't have that going on, we have to have our headphones in and we're listening to music. We always have some sort of noise going on. Um, it's always a rustling of the waters. And in this illustration, it says that he leads me beside still waters. When's the last time you took any amount of time to be quiet? It's such a foreign thing in this world. Here's what uh, that author said. Ed Catmull said that um, he was apprehensive going, went on it. He got such great ideas. I don't know where his walk with God, I don't even know if he believes in God, but this is what he said. I got such incredible ideas that I brought back that I do that retreat every single year. Talking to uh, my good friend, Pastor DJ, and we were just like, uh, when's the last time you sat down and were just quiet? And we were like, I don't know if I've ever done that. <laughs> In preparation for this message, I felt like the Lord told me, hey, why don't you practice what you're going to preach? <laughs> and so I decided on starting last Sunday that I was going to sit for 30 minutes and be quiet. No music, no reading no distractions, no nothing. And here's what I found. The first time I did it on Sunday morning, man, it was incredibly peaceful. It was amazing. And I was shocked at how quickly the time went by. I got up Monday morning and I did it again. This time I actually, um, I actually read a little bit in my word first and then I started the timer and I just sat down for 30 minutes in just stillness. And when a thought would come up, I'd go, nope, I can't think about that now just want to focus in. And I let God begin to speak to me about the section of scripture I read. And I thought, oh man, this, why haven't I been doing this? 
The next morning, I was up at Breckenridge with the youth pastors. I still got up and I said, oh, you know, I'm going to do this. And I actually went and sat in the hot tub. Great place to be quiet, by the way. Uh, it was wonderful. Uh, sitting out there and just, just receiving from God. But then Wednesday came and I was on a plane and I tried to be quiet, but it didn't work. Thursday came and we had an agenda and we jumped right into that. And I was so tired, I didn't get up early for that. Friday came and for the rest of the week, I didn't do it. It's hard, church. But the Psalm says this, that he makes me lie down in green pastures beside still waters and here's the benefit. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. Now, I looked up the word soul because in the New Testament, in the Greek, when you read the word soul, here's what it means. It means your mind, will, and emotions. And I already had formulated in my head, oh man, that's gonna be great. Man, how many of you want your mind, will, and emotions restored? And so I looked it up in the Hebrew. That's not what the word soul means in the Hebrew. The word soul in the Hebrew, it's in your notes there, it actually means, it comes from the root word that means breath. It means breath. How many of you would like to have your breath back? We live in a world, church, that is lacking breath. They're running and going and going and running from this thing to the next thing to the next thing, and they're not actually breathing. They're actually falling into great times of anxiety, falling into incredible panic attacks. They're having depression. They're having road rage. They have all of these things that are going on. And it, the church is not exempt from it. There's people listening to me right now struggling with depression. There's people listening to me right now that have great levels of anxiety. There are people listening to me right now that struggle with panic attacks. There are people listening to me right now that when somebody cuts you off, you flip. Ooh, it's so quiet. Why? It's because you're not catching your breath. So put in your notes. As the conclusion, we need to work this backwards. Think of it from the backwards position. If you want restoration for your soul, if you want your breath back, if you ever run and just couldn't catch your breath, man, there's, there's nothing that's, that's quite, I mean, it's just hard and you, it, it ruins everything of what you're doing if you can't get your breath back. It's hard to just live. It's, it's definitely hard to have abundant life if you don't have your breath. But if you want your breath back, let the Lord lead you to Jesus. Let the Lord lead you to still waters in green pastures, in places where there may be great abundance, but go ahead and let him lead you there. Get quiet in the midst of all of the provision and lie down. And lie down. Let yourself rest. Let yourself restore. Let yourself get that breath back. I think this is so important for us to understand and comprehend that have actually shaped what we're gonna do now at all of the campuses. And if you're listening online, I encourage you, do this at home. And I'm gonna, de I'm gonna be completely honest with you right now. This is gonna be awkward. 
I'm just, I'm going to let you deal with that for a second. <laughs> Be okay with the awkwardness. In just a minute, I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to step off of this platform and we are going to sit in silence. I felt like the Lord told me that even in our messages and even in our services, here's what we do. We give the word and then instead of sitting still, lying down and letting our, our soul get restored, here's what we do. We stand up and we distract ourselves with worship. And I'm not saying worship is bad. Worship is good. We need, there is a time for worship to praise God. But we stand up and we distract ourselves from hearing from God. We get up and we go to the candles or we go to the cross and start writing things. We go and have communion. We stand up and we go do something. And what this psalm says is that he makes us lie down. If I had the room in all of our campuses, I'd have you lie down. <laughs> We're not gonna make it that awkward. But here's what I am going to do. I'm going to pray. I'm going to step off the platform. And we're going to sit here in silence. And I don't want you to pray even. I want you to clear your thoughts. And here's the prayer that we had beginning before the, the services this weekend. Heavenly Father, we know your presence is here. We know your spirit is here. So Holy Spirit of God, begin to come and restore people's lives. Some of you that have been dealing with anxiety and panic attacks and depression, you just need to be still and let God begin to minister to you. Let him come in and begin to just pour his love and his life and his restoration over you. We need to take a moment of time just to be still and let him minister to our hearts. So that's what we're gonna do. The worship team, even after those, that moment of silence, is gonna get up and just quietly play behind that. And so what I want you to do is just keep focused on being silent and focus on maybe what the Lord begins to tell you at that point and let him minister to you. Let him maybe reveal lies that the enemy is telling. Uh, let him reveal uh, just the areas that he wants to begin to, to minister and restore and give you your breath back. And as that music plays, just let him continue to wash over. And then the campus pastor is going to get up and, and he'll give a final thought and close you out. But even then, you don't have to leave. We're going to keep the music um, real quiet and real still and just take the time that you need to take in order to let the Lord just minister to your heart, to your soul. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for the fact that you love us so much that you make us lie down. Even in a place of great provision, even when um, everyone else in the world is going after uh, that provision and going and consuming those things. God, help us to quiet our hearts and quiet our minds. God, as a loving parent, would actually demand that their toddler take a nap. God, help us to see the importance of actually lying down. And Lord, as we do, I pray that you would lead us beside still waters. Lead us to Jesus. And by your Holy Spirit that is with us right now, I pray that you would begin to minister to our hearts and to our minds. That you would minister restoration. That you would bring the breath back into the hearts, into the spirits, and into the lives of everyone listening right now. And so, Lord, 
I call upon you right now. And I pray that you would do these things. In our, in our own and in our flesh, it's just a time of silence and, and quiet music. But when your spirit moves, Lord, powerful supernatural things can take place. So Lord, we call upon your name and ask that you would move in this place.